Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So exciting news. We're getting some, what do we call it? Advertising, not, right? Not products. Not products. <laughs> uh, but we are going to get some advertising. And in order to help us out, it would be awesome if you could click the link uh, in the description of this episode. Fill out a little survey so we know what, we, so we know what you want. Uh, so the advertisements uh, can actually be worthwhile and not drive you completely insane. And the information is confidential. We don't take emails or names or anything. You're not going to get on any kind of weird list or anything like that. It just helps us out. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves and enjoy this episode. There's no place to escape to. This is the last on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? You know what? The one I will say that what's nice about dating Catherine Knight. I know there's not a lot, right? Well, there's some fun stuff, good booze parties, maybe. Yes, but there's a sweet spot in that relationship where you're a little guy, mm-hmm. right? Because you're like my size, mm-hmm. and you're with this tall, voluptuous, insane woman, All right? right? And she's dancing around in her like she'd make her own jumpsuits, and um, she'd look like shit. Yeah. But tits would be hanging out of side of it. Oh, you just mean to be like, I like the way it looks on you. I like what you do. And all of a sudden, what's nice is that every once in a while, if somebody annoys you. You're like, okay, take her out. And she's like, you're all giving big to a gape, you're all stretch a gape. And she's just like, I don't know what you said, babe. Go take her out for me. And then you all get to right. watch her pound on another woman in like, at the top bar. Oh, okay. well, top, that's top. a fantasy that you've thought about way too much. <laughs> this is the last podcast on the left, everyone. I have Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. And in studio... A rare occasion, Henry Zabrowski. Just her in right. a very thick burlap, but, but open on the sides. <laughs> right, of just course. Just grabbing another woman, just slamming yes. her tits against her tits just to hurt her. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And then like whipping her around back and forth like a mop. And you're just sitting there just watching, drinking your Fosters, right. enjoying yourself. Man. I don't think they actually drink Fosters. They, they don't like Fosters. That's not Australian for beer. Interesting thing about Catherine Knight that we're going to get into later. Very rarely picked fights with women. No yep. kidding. Only loved to pretty much exclusively fight men, except for that time that she knocked out her own mother with one punch. That one time. That one time. <laughs> that one time. <laughs> and so it's not like like it's not a fantasy. Right. A lot of people have just fucking one crack. Just so the audience can have a visual, Henry did tell that entire story, went into great detail about that sexual experience.
experience with Catherine Knight that he fantasized about without a shirt on. Nope. Which made it all the more jiggly and, 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 and it was enthusiastic. And it's not even that hot in here. I'll no, tell you it's kind of nice. How do you think I would be with Kath? I don't uh, want to think. I don't shirtless want to shirt. Honestly, my head just gets to her, like, before, the middle of her tits. Like, right in the middle of her uh, breasts. It's just my face right there with the breasts right there. And I'm supporting her and I'm saying, wear heels, honey. Right. Well, before the show began, I mentioned how Catherine Knight looks a lot like my mother. A lot. So that's why I'm also not really thrilled with this disgusting story that you're telling. I could be your daddy. All right. Let's do it. Catherine Knight Part 2. So when we last left Catherine Knight, she had jumped ship from Sando and was moving on to a man named John Chillingworth that she had met at a bar called The Willow Inn. Cool. He does sound like a character from the uh, Red Nose, the uh, uh, Rudy the Red Dolph. Rudy the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Did uh, you Rudolph? just forget Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Dude, I've read th- three books this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't remember anything. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a character from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer claymation special. Kind of. John Chillingsworth. Well, not surprisingly, Chillingworth was yet another Slaughterhouse employee fond of sculling a mug of grog down the chalkers <laughs> with the mates, but not necessarily the type of bloke to chuck a wobbly at his Sheila, as the Australians say. The amount of joy that you're getting slowly becoming an Australian outback dweller is really scary. All right, but remember, I do have to warm up, honestly, before doing the episode. Yes. So all let right, me all try right. it on that sentence. All right. All right. Dillingworth was yet another slaughterhouse employee falling a skull in a mug, a grog down a chuckers and a put the mites, but not necessarily the type of bloke to chuck a wobbly at a Sheila. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. I'm getting there a You're little getting, bit. Yeah. That, that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you start. <laughs> you fucking start hey, this shit. That's not a knife. <laughs> that's, that's weird. That's, that's not good. a knife. <laughs> All right. Now, the Chillingsworths were just as much of a local presence as the Knights, having made Aberdeen their home for 60 years. Hmm. So the thought of one of their own with Catherine was less than thrilling. Well, because they were sort of like, and, and Chillingsworth was a little bit of like the good son of that family, right? Where they were a bunch of rowdy, insane people, but John Chillingsworth was like a, was kind of like a good bloke who's, who'll smack a wobbly. I'm not sure what that means, but at no, all, don't yeah. know. <laughs> it, but, means, it means go berserk. Oh! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he will punch a woman, yeah, but, he, he'll love, but he loves booze. <laughs> or a guy. Yeah, he, he won't punch a woman, but the man does love to get fucked up. Okay. Got to love that about him. Yeah. But they so are, you two didn't study your vocabulary before this episode? No, I saw <laughs> some of it. I know fair bunkum means yeah. everything's good on uh, the grass no, play field. No, it's fair dinkum. All I know is you can't knock a wobbly over. That's the only <laughs> thing that I know. That's all I know. Uh, but uh, their combination of the families, like trying to put the two of them together... Seems like a really frightening thing for all of Aberdeen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. But John, even though he knew the Knight reputation, had just returned after 15 years away from home. So all he knew was that he'd met a brassy, red-headed spunk up for a bangaroo whenever he wanted. (laughs) Okay. And of course, a bangaroo is just a really horny kangaroo. (laughs) And if you see one, you want to avoid it. Ah, look at that. Look at that bangaroo over there. It can barely even fit a joey in its purse. It's always slow. (laughs) it up a vagina. That's not its tail. (laughs) That's not a vagina. (laughs) Now, John probably would have figured out how crazy Catherine Knight was all on his own Mm. and left her as she didn't necessarily snare every man who got in her pants. But extremely unfortunately for John, he got Catherine pregnant in a matter of weeks. Are there no rubbers? 
Rubbers. In Australia. There's rubbers. But why don't they apply a rubber to the dicky? Because <laughs> that's a good because question. Chillingsworth uh, or Chillingworth, not Chillingsworth. Oh, okay. Chillingworth. Chillingworth, Chillingworth said that uh, he had been in a relationship for fifteen years. Completely. Oh, he never and he and, gooshed inside all the time, yeah, and, and he, he never made a stem. Yeah, yeah, he gooshed inside constantly. Uh, but I guess it was something up with uh, the woman that he was with. But within like a few weeks with Catherine, it was just. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right. She's got them zigzag tubes. Oh, yeah. She's like <laughs> I'm the... I'm not a doctor, but... No, absolutely not. Like the ghost trap on Ghostbusters. That's what she did, but with Chillingworth. <laughs> with, with his... Yeah, you know what? Now, the only small break that Chillingworth got was that Catherine refused to let him move in, because if he did, her welfare checks would stop. She couldn't have that. Hmm. Plus, she liked her house just the way it was. See, Catherine had inherited her mother's home on McQueen Street and had turned it into a ghoulish museum of death. Hmm. She surrounded herself with stuffed peacocks, stuffed wombats, and a whole assortment of skins and skulls, saying the dead cheered her up. It's really true. She was really into taxidermy, and she loved. Obviously, she loved skins. And we're going to find out later on in right. a gold star moment how far that love will Ooh. go. Uh, but she surrounded herself with these kind of like shrines that she would build to number one, her uncle Oscar. Yeah, that was hmm. a what, what was he? Not he was a, a daredevil. What he was, was a he? cowboy. He was, he was a cowboy. Like a, he was like a rodeo cowboy. All yeah. right, daredevil and, in its own right. But he committed brain suicide at the age of thirty-four, and she always built him up as to being like the hmm. perfect person because. Hmm. And and what we're going to find out, as Marcus deftly describes here, is that uh, when you're the type of person that Catherine Knight was, the dead are great because uh, they can fit to whatever image you want to build around them. Right. And maybe uh, help with your narrative also. Now, Marcus, how much do you love the house? That's what I want to know, because as you described it, there's a little twinkle in your eye. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds familiar to a lot of our listeners. I know a lot of people out there, they're mm-hmm. listening right now, also enjoy skulls and bones and skin and you stuff like that. You most of all, you <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah, I have a b- pretty big skull collection, <laughs> and thank know. you to all of our listeners who have contributed to that skull collection. <laughs> Absolutely. But, Catherine, her motivation was different here. Okay. Uh, now, German psychiatrist Eric Frome, he explained this to Peter Laylor in Bloodstain. Uh, Frome said that Catherine's particular obsession, along with her behavior, was consistent with necrophilias, which is a form of necrophilia. It is particular among narcissistic personalities, and that the love of the dead is a form of control. See, the Ooh. necrophilias does not want to have sex with the dead. They get off on possessing the dead, controlling it completely. And Peter Laylor, he goes further with this in comparing Catherine Knight to English serial killer Fred West. You don't want your whole life to have you end up with being compared to Fred West. No, (laughs) definitely. That is never a good thing. So were all the skulls frowning? Like, how? So what was was the... So she was sexually aroused. No, it's not 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 sexual. No, no, no. It's not sexual. No, it's it's about her family, right? Because especially with her mother. So when her mom died, it was a huge moment for Catherine Knight because Catherine Knight... Despite everything that happened between them, all the beatings and all the violence, right. she looked up to her mom, especially after the fact, after she died. Because after she died, she could build a whole like mythology sure. around, around how wonderful their relationship was. And the way she did that was build the gigantic shrine made out of fucking bones from the uh, working in the awful room or working in various parts of the made out of bones. But there were, <laughs> there were, were there parts bones? of that house. Have you seen pictures of the house? Yeah. It's... There are, it's both 
it's skeleton pieces yeah. and gigantic farm equipment. She yeah. loved big farm weapons like <laughs> killing hoes and like the big scythes and shit like that in, in her home. And she would hmm. also then create this kind of floral arrangement where she put pictures of her dead mother in it. Yeah. And all night she'd sit and cry thinking about how wonderful her mother was, I'm which pretty, was completely fake. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Levon Helm had a similar end to his life. <laughs> Just surrounded yes. by farming equipment, crying, thinking about his mother. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Bizarre, yeah. bizarre stuff here. Yeah, it's all about like turning people into inanimate objects. I mean, that's what Fred West did. I mean, remember Ugh. Fred West? He killed twelve people, including yeah. his daughter, because he he saw people as objects. And once you kill someone, uh, you possess them. Yeah. Uh, and that's what necrophilias is all about. Okay. But years before Catherine would turn John Price into a makeshift curtain, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. And it is, uh, it is a soft. Fabric. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Or, or as, as the uh, Australian police love to refer to it again and again, a pelt. Yeah, they keep referring to the whole thing as a pelt. Well, well, uh, have you ever used a lambskin condom? No, <laughs> no. A lambskin condom. Why is did the only you use that? Because I had a girlfriend that was uh, allergic uh, to latex, uh, right, right, right. and so when you feel it, it's like you can come in it, and it's got this sort of like it's cold to the touch. It I feels like a wet glove. <laughs> but guess what, man? What? You can also fry it up and uh-huh. eat it if you want. To. That's good. I just feel like Catherine Knight would look at my loose-skinned, huge body like Robocop <laughs> looks at an enemy. Just breaking my meats down in like sections and Good lord, I could furnish an entire home. Well, years before she killed John Price, she continued on the road toward murder by mentally and physically abusing John Chillingworth. Because that's the thing about Catherine Knight. Catherine Knight is an abuser, and she's an extreme abuser. And the thing is about extreme abusers is more often than not, that cycle of abuse, it ends in murder. Mm. It it can, especially uh, when you watch them destroy everything around you as if they want to hurt you. Like Mm. people that, Mm. like when you get into an argument, and people who like will like destroy a piece of furniture or punch holes in walls. That's them showing you what they would like to do to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a great episode of I Am a Killer uh, on Netflix. I, I highly recommend it about that. But John Chillingworth was the first man she'd been with seriously that was bigger than her. That it really I didn't know Chillingworth is actually bigger than her. which is why the abuse was less with him because that's what he hmm. said all the time is that he knew in interviews afterwards he was like she couldn't beat me up physically the way she could do her other husbands but she could met, use mental tricks yeah hmm. no mentally like that was a real big thing with John Chillingworth because uh, almost as soon as she got pregnant she started putting it in his head like well maybe the baby's not yours so no, it she- probably is but maybe it's not. So she went from a Wolverine to Professor X. That's Wolverine, she was like physical. And then now she's mental. But they're good guys. Well, it depends it's on who, what side you're on. It's a whole, it's a whole I'm just going to say, when it comes to X-Men, there's good people on both sides. I do oh, like okay. Juggernaut okay. quite a bit. Juggernaut, if convinced, will do the right thing. Villain. All of this is wrong. <laughs> now, Catherine and her kids claim that John was just as abusive as every man that came before. Hmm. And admittedly, John freely admits to hitting Catherine one time while they were driving after she destroyed his glasses and punched him in the mouth. Hmm. But again, just like the last two and the one after John, there are no hospital records or personal testimonies to go along with Catherine's claims. However, there is oodles of testimony going the other way. It's kind of shocking, and it does get to a point where where Catherine and her kids had this sort of disinformation 
movement that they would do as they go, and they would continue it at, at, at every moment, which you're going to see mm. what she do, what she will do to John Price as well, yeah. where she'll say to people, strangers she meets, being like, well, he hits me every day, and that's what he does. Oh, now, you look at my face, that's what he's doing to me. He's knobbing me up, giving me the gum for... He's giving me the gumfer. The gumfer? And then, like, wow. they do it again and we again. We better get the constable out here. Somebody's been <laughs> giving the gumfer. Um, but they are not to disparage Australian police because we will be going there at some point in the near future. Yes. And I do not want to be on the bad side of the Australian police. We no. love your work. Yes. Love your work. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would go, she would build this as she goes. And she would have her daughters all do the same thing and parrot this this uh, line of thought that okay. Catherine's the victim and, and it's every Everybody else's fault. Mm-hmm. Right. And the amazing thing is that Catherine's children defended her despite the fact that she brutally beat them their entire lives. I mean, one story mm-hmm. that Layla to- told was when Catherine, she was just sitting there having a conversation with a bunch of friends. Joel, I've got this scene about a geek, right? And I'm pulling and pulling and pulling to see if I can make a click longer. <laughs> All right, kind of whisper in there. <laughs> well, Catherine's having this conversation with her friends, and then her daughter, Natasha, she came in the room, sort of mouthing off. Off like kids are wanting to do. Hey, mommy, has a, my bingaroo runs away and my, and my gliffle. My gliffle's near on here. <laughs> well, children have problems all over the world. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. And so Catherine, she responded by just full-on punching her mm. daughter in the mouth. Her daughter's probably like 12 or so. Okay. Drew blood, split the lip, and then Catherine just returned to the conversation like she just got done swatting a fly. Mm. And still, even after that, her kids always said, like, the, one of her daughters said, I think it was her daughter Melissa, said uh, her mom had a heart of gold, you just didn't cross her. Yep. Ah, they are, I see. They are, uh, the reason why they were strong was because they would tow the, they would keep the, the family word going they all held strong on what the story was always nobody turned their back on anybody they were they worked as a single cohesive unit Mm. so like annie lennox they're walking on walking on Walking on broken glass. That makes no sense. <laughs> well, I, I would say eggshells. No, no, it's the opposite. It seems like they like toe around. No, it's like the GOP. Like, it's like the, it's yeah, everybody defends everyone, no matter what horrible crimes they've done. Mm-hmm. Like Tiny Tim said, tiptoe through the tulips, <laughs> and, that makes and no the sense. tulips is their living room. I think you should go to a brain doctor. <laughs> I'll check it out. I'll, I'll check one out. But just like it was with the last two partners, Catherine mm. was the one who left John after three years of mental anguish. Jeez. She met a new guy in Aberdeen, quote unquote, at the club. Say it right. At the club. Yep. A club, which I would imagine was a lot like the one that we stumbled upon in Scotland. Oh, you mean the one in the strip mall where all of the fluorescent lights were on until <laughs> two in the morning and yes. it was just 60s, year old, 60-year-olds grinding on each other right. to Beyonce. Yeah. And yeah. the loudest music I have ever heard in Truly. my life. Yeah. And Because I think it was so loud because there was like eight people there. Yeah. <laughs> so there wasn't enough people to absorb the sound. So the guy at the club that Catherine had met was John Price. Uh-oh. Pricey, as he was known to everyone in Aberdeen, was all accounts a pretty good dude. Always tried to do people a good turn, gave you a lot of shit, but when he gave you shit, that just meant that he liked you. Yeah, you, it's when, how many times I've been called in recent, uh, the last week or so since the episode has come out, which I appreciate, being called a mad cunt. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Yeah, because yeah, in Australia, cunt is not in any way taboo. It's an extremely common word. Well, no It's kidding. us here in America that get all squeamish, squeamish about it. Interesting. I like, oh, yeah, and I'm not going to say it more. No. But it's 
fun first... to say in the context of this episode where I could say, this is my friend Ben. He's a real cunt. <laughs> well, I think you got to say it in an Australian accent. Otherwise, it's not acceptable. But yeah. Well, the thing is about John is that, of course, like all the rest of the guys, but this is something they said specifically about John. He could drink for Australia. So he can drink quite a bit. I yes. think that's what okay. it means. But yes. I don't know if like drink for Australia means that he could do it like in service of Australia or if he could do it uh, as like he kept up with everybody else in Australia. That's like an infantry unit in the in the Australian army. <laughs> Just the ones who get sloshed yeah. for the country. What a good idea to send an Australian team in early to go against like against the Taliban. Oh, right? sure. Go down there and they don't understand drinking very much. But right. you get them in there and they're drinking out of big boots. Because I do right. think they have a lot of boot steins in Australia. Really? I don't know. I I'd like to think so. You're just thinking about the Simpsons episode where they booted Bart. I don't know. I'm just saying I know they have bigger glasses. Oh, whatever yeah. it is, they have bigger glasses, and they're just, and you you liquor them up ahead of time, ah. and then you get them all sloshed and shit, and then you show up, and it's you with the fat boys. You remember the rappers? Of course. And all the mischief is too much for them to handle. We're behind enemy lines. Uh-huh. We're fucking with the head of the general. I'm dressed as a lady, seducing him back and forth. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Move over, Oliver North. There's a new horrible army man in town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but John Price was a good old boy, and he. But he was. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine the level of hangovers. I feel Ooh. like the hangovers in the Catherine Knight story could probably only rival the Henry Lee Lucas hangovers. Uh, I would okay. imagine. But Rolling the thing is stones. about Kath is that she didn't even start drinking until she met John Price. Really? Yeah. Before that, she'd been sober for most of her life. I mean, I don't know why that makes it slightly worse. It's not good to hit anyone if you're sober or drunk, but I thought that she was pretty intoxicated nope. this whole time. Uh-uh. People that are sober by choice and not by the court scare the shit <laughs> out, of me, out of me. Because people that are made sober by a court or like by your family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I, that, I've been there. I've been right. at the edge of that. They have but a problem. If, yeah. Absolutely, and you need help. Maybe your body deals with alcohol differently. But someone who's sober by choice... Yeah, I'm waiting until I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, you just can't have any more, you're going to die. And then I'm going to have one shot, I'm going to put it in the freezer, and then one night. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great great plan. (laughs) Well, after Pricey and Kath got together, Kath kind of lightened up. She became like a rum and coke gal. She was having a good good enough time. But she's done this every time. (laughs) Yeah. What she'll do, she gets in a new relationship, and it's super fun and right. you know what and she's got her Australian version of lingerie on which is I just assume the same thing but upside down where the panty line you just your head goes through it and it's two straps that go around your hips so it's completely open and that she's out there she's sucking dick and she's drinking rum and she's out there dancing right. like but no one's watching but guess who's watching everybody's watching right. and she's full of life and then all of a sudden you wake up and she's like polishing knives or she's doing the thing like she did with John Chillingsworth which is that fun little game which she'll also do to John Price which is uh, stare at you while you sleep mm-hmm. uh, and understand <sighs> and you wake up and she'll be at the foot of your bed and this is completely true and she's like this is just so you know that I can wait till you sleep and I can do anything I like. That's great. And then it's it's very frightening. Yeah. Yeah, she's like the nun from the Insidious series. That oh, is horrifying. Yes. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Well, the alcohol, well, at first seemed like it made her like kind of more of a good time mm -hmm. gal. After a while, the mellowing effect kind of tapered off, and alcohol seemed to bring out that last little bit of nastiness that Catherine Knight needed to kick her abuse into the ultraviolence realm. Uh-oh. But even so, the two kind of seemed to be in love. I mean, Pricey, he actually had like a pet name for her, called her the speckled fucking hen. Say it correctly. <laughs> the speckled fucking hen. <laughs> it is a... It is a pet, perhaps, in yes. that it is a hen, and uh, theoretically you could have one as a pet, but I wouldn't say it's a romantic name. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, but it okay. was to her, because she had never really, that, that was the thing, is that they kind of had like cute little names for each other, and it was highly sexual, but hmm. at the time, it was also, John Price was kind of just in it for a good time, because he was in love with his first wife. Yeah, he never got over his first wife, Cause that, and they were still friends, and okay. also the first wife said, like, she, afterwards, she said, you know, it you show me a single time when John Price ever hit her because he's the most kindest, most gentle man that I've ever met in my yeah, life. He was a happy drunk. He's the kind. Of, I'm I'm like that. Where yeah. it's just like I get to a certain level. Once I'm in blackout, um, Natalie has told me I'm very much been like I lo I love. I, I love. And then I go <laughs> right. to sleep. And then I just do that like sleep with a little smile on my face. And yeah. then you wake up like. Oh. <laughs> right. <sighs> you just become like a. Broken Teddy Ruxpin doll. <laughs> that makes sense. Why didn't anyone ask or tell Mr. Price 
this woman is trouble. I they mean, did. He everybody knew. did. Everybody Everyone did. did. He knew full well. He knew long before they even got together. He knew okay. who Catherine Knight was. Right. It was a small town. Everyone knew her. Uh, but still. For some reason, there was just something about her that be- bewitched him. Well, it was those fucking sparkly little eyes. Yeah. She's got that mischievous, snaggletooth smile. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's just being tall, redheaded, swishing around. With your You're going there again. You're doing it again. <laughs> and yeah, she's flush from alcohol, but there's also it's passion. Mm-hmm. Well, sociopaths can be very charming at times. Very much so. Flip. Well, the thing that really got in the way in this relationship, in Catherine's mind at least, was Pricey's kids. Mm. And those kids had a bad feeling about Catherine from the moment they met her. They said the first thing that weirded them out was Catherine's absolute certainty that she had been abducted by aliens, which is a story that I would pay an unreasonable amount of money to hear Catherine tell herself. Absolutely. So I'm all bogged out. I'm sitting out there (laughs) sucking on my smithers, waiting, waiting, staring at Pricey, seeing if you wake up. Next thing I knew, there's a beam of light. Coming up you the ceiling me. All yeah. of a sudden, I'm on the table. Little grey grass rooting around with my gunch, right? Oh. I'm like, hey, you want them eggs? You better take them from me, then, mate. And he's just like, clicking, 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 and making some kind of clicking noises. So what I'll do is, I, oh, I helped him to it. Grab his side and his head. <laughs> Smash him into my gunch. <laughs> made him roll my clit until he was um, way near exhausted. And, uh, you know, bum dink him. I'm going out of it. I see. Okay. All right. Well, Kath... She also believed in ghosts and thought that the ghost of her beloved uncle who had shot himself visited her on a regular basis. Okay. And she might have got this notion from her mother, who always maintained, until the day she died, that the specter of a young naked boy used to haunt her front yard. Just cut to the kid being like, let me in. (laughs) Let me in, please, ma'am. I could use a shirt (laughs) or some form of pant as well, because I've heard your husband's a real pants man. <laughs> Anything, ma'am. Uh, and he, wow, they have an illustrious boy. No, an illuminated an boy. An illuminated boy, yeah. Interesting. It's yeah. just a crime... Just a spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, int- so she. I like the ghost story. I like the alien stuff. Yeah. This, no, it's could be, it's, uh, this is date one, right? So that's kind of interesting. This, is, this isn't date one. This is when uh, Pricey's children finally got to meet her. Like, okay. finally finally got to know her. And she just got, she had, they had a bad feeling about her. But those two stories make your future well, stepmother kind of fun. I'll also say this, right? We're intense people. I understand um, being an intense person, and, and I have been labeled as such by some. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure. I understand that kind of what you want to do sometimes. Like, you know what they say is like, you fool a frog by putting it in water. If you want to boil a frog or cook a frog, right. you have to turn up the temperature slowly and doesn't realize that the water's getting hot. That's an urban myth, by the way. Really? Um, but for me, I also really like throwing you in the deep end of the pool, my personality, like yeah. right up top. Because if you can't handle like my first three stories, right. you're not going to like me to begin with. Like, if you don't like this that is, I have back hair. Right. <laughs> This is you. If you can't handle me at my whatever. My alien abduction stories, then you don't deserve me when I'll rub your feet till you go to sleep. Oh. Yeah, I don't Lick them heels. (laughs) Okay. Well, things only got worse between Kath and the kids after Catherine essentially forced Pricey to get engaged by stealing some of his money and buying herself a diamond ring. Do it for yourself, girls. If he's not going (laughs) to do it, if he's not going to do it, you fucking go and you do it for yourself. Uh, and in response to this, Pricey reportedly said, quote, I keep so happy, but we're not getting married. 
Really? We're not yeah. getting married. Seems yeah. like you're getting married, bro. <laughs> oh, no, 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 That's all I say, thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, things had already started to go downhill by that point, but they still had a long way to go. Uh-oh. Because the violence and the accusations that it was actually Pricey, who was beating her, got kicked up into the next gear. And still, Pricey wouldn't marry her. So... Kath, to get back at Pricey for not bending to her will mm. concerning marriage, figured she'd attack him in a particular point of pride, his job. Uh-oh. See, Pricey was a miner and had worked his way up to a six-figure annual salary over 17 years. Yeah, wow. This was his career, and being a miner was a very lucrative job. Uh, much like being a miner in Los Angeles, you can make quite a bit of money um, just <laughs> oh, by sure. uh, showing up at various parties in the Hollywood Hills. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to definitely dress as part of the Lollipop Guild, right? Of course, yeah. Meeting with the uh, with the moral. Um, holders of our time, the Disney Channel, the Disney Network, perhaps. Oh yes, yes. Disney is very moral indeed. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, no, I mean a mine miner. No. Oh I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he had, no, he made quite a bit of money. But yeah. no, they they don't live very long though. No, they don't. Okay. But he loved his job, right. and even though he was notorious for getting full as a goog, as the Australians say. <laughs> oh, okay. I, do, I did this to myself last night. <laughs> All right. But the thing was is that he was always the first to show up and the last to leave. Pricey was a hard fucking worker. Okay. But even though he was a loyal employee, he wasn't above taking a thing or two from work if no one was going to miss it. Uh-oh. See, Pricey had taken home a couple of expired first aid boxes that he actually had fished out of the garbage. He dove into a landfill and brought wow. out these expired first aid boxes. So who gives a shit, that's right? That's not stealing, that's cleaning. Yeah. He wanted to do that. <laughs> yes. and you know what a part of it is, is that he was thrifty and it's fun. He'd yeah. throw it out anyway. It's like when you uh, work as a garbage man and you f- furnish your whole home for from things people throw out. Yeah, yeah, all the chairs are a little rickety, and the forks don't have all the uh, the, the uh, spikes and spears on them or whatever. But it works. Yeah, man. No, I furnished uh, my entire all of my apartments up until like a couple. Of, I think just last week I threw away my last piece of uh, what is it? Street garbage furniture. That's I have great. One, my favorite chair. It's King's chair. I actually picked it up off the street with a couple of listeners way back in the day, and it's my favorite chair. I, it could use a zhuzh. <laughs> well, it was not. It was. It said free on it. It was yeah. not trash. It was for free. So Catherine, she took advantage of Pricey's thrifty nature and filmed footage of no. the boxes in Pricey's home with her video camera. Well, she had come to love. She loves her video camera. Uh, and she, loves she, it. she. There's videotape. I've been trying really hard to find examples of her uh, home movies. That would be I, interesting. I couldn't find any footage of. I just saw stills, but she recorded everything, and so. This fucking, this trick, man. This is weird. After she filmed the footage, she took the videotape to Pricey's bosses, Mm. which lost Pricey not only his job of 17 years, but his pension as well. Oh, my God. I'm going to say this. Who, Who here... Who listens to this show has had this happen to them before. Yeah. This is fucked. This is deep. This is like a thing that you can see where she is creeping in. And I think it's a part of why uh, things fall apart for me when she says that she was being abused by her husbands. I believe in believing in the victim. Right. And I really want to. And she came forward and all her daughters all said that Pricey beat her and that Chillingsworth beat her and that her and, and Kettle beat her. All of this shit. But I think it's her actions. I mean, and the main action is the um, 
turning him into a curtain and decapitating <laughs> him and bleeding all his blood and you doing all the shit that he's right, going to do to right. him. But yeah. I, uh, I think it shows this is this is the real her. Yeah, that she's not a victim. She is a, a really aggressive. Uh, opponent, actually. Yeah. Hmm. All mean, right. All of the evidence says that her, you know, all of her claims are lies. So, I mean, maybe not all of her claims, but the evidence says that the vast, vast majority of her claims cannot be believed. Well, I don't think they should have fired him. I'm just going to say that. They shouldn't. I mean, they said that they had no choice. It was against company policy. They were pretty much just following the guidelines a little too stringently. So, I would say that mine also holds a little bit of responsibility. I yep. think so, too. Well, after that, Pricey rightly left Catherine, but there was just something about her that he could not resist. I think, let me let me throw out a loop. Uh-oh. Okay, go, go for it. I think it's her crazy, awesome snapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's just your, your assessment. I don't, I don't, again, your I'm not a national assessment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, all of Pricey's friends told him that if he went back, something terrible was going to happen. Yep. But he went back anyway oh. and actually sacrificed a lot of friendships for his relationship to Catherine. I just don't get it. But who has not done this before? Yeah. Who's not been in a weird one-sided had their relationship? their ex-girlfriend film them, get them fired, and then go back to them? It's hard. I don't know what she did to crawl into people's heads. I think a part of it is that she... She had such, uh, I want to say belief in herself almost. She knew what she was capable of. And there was something about her confidence that sort of bleeds into the minds of her her partners mm. that sort of believe, oh, it's actually, it is sort of like a privilege to be with Catherine because yeah. no one else gets her. Because I'm the only one who sees the the real side of her, which is also why people stay in abusive relationships no, all I the time. I understand that aspect of it, but it's like she works at the meat factory. I mean, I just don't fully see the charm that everyone's seeing here. I but- she was unemployed. Yeah, she was time. unemployed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she, she was just living off of welfare. Uh, she is a unique bird. She makes her own garish clothes. She's filled with. Uh, I wasn't joking earlier, but it's like she would make her own jumpsuits. Yeah, weird, wear weird things like you know outfits that just just show the bottom tuft of her butt cheeks. Yeah, right. Like which I imagine were a different type. I'm sure. And it's, it's so all of a sudden, Pricey's making more and more. Of these weird concessions. He's not hanging out with his friends. He has to lie to them because now it's like he's starting to show signs of abuse. He has to, like, he has to joke around because they'd all joke around being like, oh, uh, what's going to happen all pricey t- uh, last night? And they would take bets on how, she, uh, what, in what way she would beat him. So when Pricey went back, Catherine said that if he took her back this time, it was to the death. And really, like, I really wonder here if Catherine was just using a figure of speech or if she was choosing her words very carefully. Seems like it might have been chosen on purpose, given the uh, overall conclusion. I think it was her making her line in the sand. Yeah. I think it was her kind of weird serial killer moment where right. she was like, she has been talking about killing various husbands for so long yeah mm-hmm. and then she's already openly said to pricey i'll fucking kill you and your kids and she said it again and again i mm. think this was her buying the ticket to mm. take now, the ride now do we know what kind of curtains she has now <laughs> at this point or where, did she complain about the curtains i don't like did- this lice because it's not wet <laughs> right because i do kind of want to know maybe it was curtainless yeah perhaps. Uh, I don't no, know. there were curtains she there had curtains, curtains but no okay. no word on what exactly they were oh right See, Catherine figured that she was owed Pricey's house because she'd, quote, put up with him and had cleaned the place a few times. 
But pricey, I mean, that, this is another just part of her personality is the right. entitlement. Mm-hmm. But pricey was saving his house for his kids. All True. of the Knight family was like this. Yeah. Because they talked about this too with the other kids. When there was some story, I believe it was Saunders was dropping. He was going to go pick up the kid from the her sister's house. And they're all like, well, just so you know, it's all the things of being like, he ate this food. We want to be paid for the food we made lunch for him. And uh, uh, these are his things that he thinks this belongs to him. It's not it belongs to us. And so she slowly acquires other people's shit. Yeah. So with his house, she was like, I'll lock his house. This is my house now. And I'll put curtains up in it. And that's mm. why it's going to come belong to me. Mm. And he's like, no, uh, I bought this house with my first wife. It means a lot to me personally. Which is also a very interesting thing. I think about uh, the house thing comes up in Bloodstain quite a bit yeah. about everybody's um, attachment to their homes. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it yeah. is an Australian thing or if it is because you really do have to like make your own way out where they live. Absolutely. Yeah. People love their homes. Home is where the heart is. That's where they say. Well, also, like living in small towns, like, like just for example, him, like you've pretty much only lived in like. Metropolitans, like, yeah, I'm like, a city boy. Like, you you're, can say it. Yeah, you're yeah. Si- yeah, you're you're a city I'm a boy. Smart pants wearing, big hat slaying. <laughs> right, right, right. I have a cane. I'm a yeah. city boy. Yeah, yeah. So like city life, it's much more transient. You move from apart- apartment to apartment, and it's not that big of a deal. But when you're in a small town like that, and I think this is just universal the world over. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in a small town, like your house means a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and especially if you're in an isolated town, uh, you spend so much more time at home. So you really form an attachment to the place. That's why they're haunted. Huh. Huh. Yep. <laughs> Never, rarely do people haunt an apartment. They're happy to get out of there. Well, the fact that Pricey was saving the house for his kids, this, this I would say, rankled Catherine. Okay. Yeah, I rankled it. <laughs> all right. We have a rankling. But it all really came to a head with the kids when the bouncy castle came to town. Ooh. Mm. See, Pricey, who was, as I said, a pretty good bloke, had paid some dude a case of beer to set up a bouncy castle for the neighborhood kids. What a great time! Cheap, cheap too? <laughs> just a case of beer? Just a case of beer. I guess it was the guy's bouncy castle, and it was just like, here's the setup fee. That's great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you. it's like, how much do you think the end more long scores? <laughs> like, All right, I'll sell you about 24 of these meckles. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Bouncy castle. But Catherine could not let a good time stand. Oh. So she got smashed and accused Pricey's two daughters of molesting Catherine's kids, oh which by this time was a well-worn tactic of Catherine's. Okay. She was uh, a very afraid of sexual assault and would bring it up again and again. And I think partially, I don't know what to what extent she was sexually abused as a kid, but I think that she... There was something. There was something. I will say there was something. There was something. I don't know what happened, but he, she was always talking about how everybody wanted to attack her, um, and that she also believed that her kids were... That there was m- many times in the story, in that eight-year gap that we covered in the last episode, she would do this, like, a lot. Yeah. Where okay. she would say, this person tried to molest my kids, so I beat the shit out of him, and, like, doing, like, setting people up where people are, were, were not fucking her kids. Yeah. <laughs> Giving her an excuse for violence, perhaps. Of course. But this time, she'd gone too far with her claims. So one of Pricey's daughters, she grabbed a plate, said, hey, it is a nice plate, 
asked whose it was, knowing full well whose it was, Uh-oh. and when Kath said it was hers, the daughter told her to fuck off or she'd break it over her fucking head. Cool. That's called an Australian punchline. <laughs> yes, there it is. <laughs> she then kicked Kath off the, literally kicked Catherine off the porch and told her to leave or they call the cops. Hmm. And with this, the kids joined the ranks of abusers along with Pricey. And the most interesting thing here is that Kath, she did not fight back in this situation. You would think this would be a situation where Kath would claw this girl's eyes out, right? but she didn't. And I'm not quite sure why. Well, I don't know. I would like if all of this took place in the bouncy castle. <laughs> I think that that would be exciting. Yeah, like with Dick all, Tracy. Them remember all that? bouncing up and down. Well, I didn't want to make it sexual like but that. You did it. No. You did it to me. You know, you know what I think it is about uh, Kath? I think that she understands that she does not have a medium setting. Yeah. I think that at this point, it's become so uh, big, her resentment towards the kids, that she uh, knows that as soon as she says go in her own head, She'll right. fucking kill her. Yeah. And I think that all of this is now her charging her batteries. Mm. Building and building and building. No one being like, I'll get my revenge. All of you will pay. And yeah. she knows that every every step mm-hmm. of the way, she's just preparing. Interesting. Like when you, you when you used to have to put the dustbuster into the dustbuster home on the wall. Yeah. And it would really suck up some trash. If Seriously? Off of there. We have to take you to like a neurologist. Like we have to like go. The dustbuster. I, I just want to. I want to see Chara. I want to see a bunch of electrodes put on your skull. And I no. want you to have to draw lines to things this, like what belongs together. I, this was the time where the dustbuster was huge before the Roomba. I have a dustbuster. Yeah. And a Roomba. Okay. Well, either way, this incident kicked Kath into the stratosphere, and pretty soon, the beatings just started getting worse. The Pricey's friends and co-workers said they saw at least one stab wound on Pricey's chest in the months leading up to the murder, as well as numerous bruises. Like I said, he had to tell his friends that he had rolled his car. Yes. Because she had beaten him so bad. I slipped and fell on another knife. I mean, how is this (laughs) happening? She said, um... If it was a spoon, it, the same thing would have happened without a cut. No, I, would, I, was, I was gesturing with my knife, which is what she would do all the time. Horrifying. And then she said, he got too close. And then as he came in, so he tripped and fell on her knife. It mm. is it is, that is literally shit. that bit. Yeah. Comically stupid for yeah. a defense. Oh, yeah. But it, you know what? It fucking worked. Jeez. Yeah, because there's only so far Pricey will admit. Yeah. Uh, how much of a victim he is. Yeah. I understand. There's a stigma to it. Huge stigma yeah. to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it happens in America. It happens all over the world. Mm-hmm. Now, Kath, she even made a little voodoo doll of Pricey, made a little tiny suit out of his old clothes, <laughs> and then to top off the ritual, she saved some of his semen, God knows how, <sighs> and smeared it on the little doll to give it extra power. This is, you know, I like that she's going through her Papa Shango phase. This is really kind of fun for her, I guess. I will tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly how she got it. Uh-huh. She just went up there and I, go in this here cup. <laughs> she's like, go in the cup. Go in the cup. All right. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. Oh. oh, I like the smell of it. Smells like beer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's not a Foster's commercial I remember. Then, about a month before the murder, it seems like Catherine had crossed over into a new level. Because hmm. now she was just nonchalantly telling her brother that she was going to kill Pricey and his two kids. 
she actually started to get pretty loose with it. She once said in front of a whole group of people during a hard drinking session that she was going to kill Pricey and get away with it by pretending she was crazy. Kathy, do you understand that um, you don't, and I don't want to sit you off. No, don't do that, yeah. Uh, but um, you don't have to pretend to be crazy, you know? <laughs> I reckon it's pretty well established in this right. whole town that you're pretty crazy. Oh. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. right. You're right. Yeah, she does have a history of madness, I suppose. Well, ironically, if she hadn't have done this, then she actually would have had a fighting chance at pulling off the plan. Hmm. But... Those people ended up testifying against her in the trial. Yeah, I would hope. Because, I'm happy they were sober enough to remember what she said. Yeah, because while Catherine is cunning, it's also important to remember that she's still very, very stupid. Ah, cunning but stupid. But what have we learned about the cunning versus the stupid? Is that the cunning learn knows, the cunning knows you just get their money. Yeah. Right? You can do certain things, you're going for the money. Uh-huh. The stupid are the ones that do shit like this. I need yeah. to see, they need to create two new Street Fighter characters, cunning and stupid. <laughs> and I just want to see what it looks like when they fight. So a couple days before the murder, Pricey and Catherine had a particularly rough blue, Jeez. and Catherine stabbed him in the chest. And this one was not an accident. This was a full-on stab. It's safe to say the first one wasn't an accident either, though, right? It was though, not, right? but this one, she could, okay. this one she couldn't play off. All right. And this was truly the last straw for Pricey, so Pricey tried to kick her out. Catherine said she'd go. But only if Pricey gave her $10,000. $10,000? Either that or the house. Is she Dr. Evil? How are you? How does he have $10,000? He actually had $13,000 in the bank. Yep. But it's strange how this kind of brash... Like, you're sitting in my house. Right. I'm asking you to leave my house. She mm -hmm. says, well, you give me $10,000 or, or I want to own this house. It's like a thing where your, your mind is... Uh, uh, you, there's something with the brashness of it, right? And the matter of factness and the and that confidence of being like, "Well, you'll give me what's yours, or I'll fucking kill you." Yeah. I mean, it really is incredible. You have to be such a bad human being to leverage how bad you are as a person to against get 10K, against you <laughs> to get ten k for someone to have you leave. Yeah. Well, Pricey, he'd be damned if he was going to give the woman who made his life a living hell for the last five years a single cent. Hmm. And also, he was fucking terrified of her because she just stabbed him. Right. So he went to the Justice of the Peace for a court order. But since the wheels of justice work slow, Pricey was told the court-ordered removal would take three weeks Woo. to process. So Pricey went home to wait it out, even though all of his friends told him, do not go home. Do not be alone at all. Well, because especially when she, because she's such a scary woman. Yeah. She left, right? And she goes back to her house plotting. But they said that the next two days, it's just her screaming alone in her own house mm. and then just going silent. Mm -hmm. So she's sitting in this house ruminating and she's going to prepare herself and she's going to prepare her life for what she's about to do to him. Right. Yeah. Maybe she's like um, slathering herself in Vegemite. Yeah. Staring <laughs> in the mirror. Oh, I'm slick, I love yeah. to see them police get a hold of me now, mm. cover them in brown sauce. Because yeah. brown sauce is also big there. <laughs> I'm losing. Sauce? I'm losing the accent. <laughs> what does it mean? You hit a real good sweet spot there about minute 30. Yeah. I'll do it again. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll come back around. You'll find it. You'll, what the hell is brown sauce? HP sauce. What? HP or HB? 
H- I have no idea what you're talking about. It's brown sauce. Brown sauce? <laughs> you, okay. In the UK, they like it. It's brown. Okay, so you're talking about gravy? It's brown. It's brown <laughs> sauce. All right, makes sense. Well, the reason why Pricey went back home was because he truly believed, and he was probably right in this, he believed that if he went into hiding, Catherine was just going to go after his kids and kill them. Jeez. So he just went back home. You need to get a, a panic room. Yeah. He needs a panic room in there. So on Pricey's last day on Earth, he told his friends that if he didn't show up to work the next day, she'd killed him. And as we know, that is exactly what happened. Okay. On February 29th, in the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> you have to, by, by law, we have to do that. We're, in we're in our 30s. In the year 2000. Yes. White males in our 30s, we are forced to do that or one week in prison. <laughs> so. so Catherine woke up with three jobs to do. Say goodbye to her loved ones. Lay the groundwork for her soon-to-be-needed legal defense. And murder John Price. Jeez. So she set off in the morning with her kids and went to her friend Gert's place. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's short for yogurt. Oh, I see. Gert. All right. There, Catherine launched into a tirade about how abusive Price he had been over the years and just for good measure, threw in a recent example. Now, we have no idea as to the veracity of this story because the only person who could make a rebuttal was dead within 12 hours of Catherine telling it. But Ooh. Catherine said that she and Pricey had gotten into a blue after she'd said something about Pricey's mother, as she was wont to do. Oh. That was always her big thing with all of her husbands and common laws, is that when she really wanted to hurt someone, she'd start talking about their mother and talking about how awful that person's mother was. Well, that'll do it. You can't be talking poorly about people's mothers. I'm also going to go out of the way. I mean, obviously, this is my opinion, but she's trying to get him to hit her. Yeah. I think a part of it is that what you do is you push and you push and you push, especially somebody like her, because what she's really looking for is that sweet, righteous anger. Right, right. Finally, I'll push you so far, you'll punch me, and then now I could do whatever I want. Now it's on. Yeah, Yeah, then she's going to wail on him. Well, in response, Kath said that Pricey grabbed her breast and started pulling at it before going for her throat. She, you put it correctly, it's ritzed my breast. That's what she kept saying, is that she would go and, like, in a strange way to fight. Yeah. Where she right. said that what he would do to fight is grab her breasts and just mash them a bunch. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I don't think that happens in the UFC too often, but I, I guess <laughs> no. it's Australia, different time. Lightly yeah. cup the breast. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And That's as enough. proof, she flopped one of them out and showed it to Gert. And, okay. and he's like, well, thank you, but first of all, but second of all, I'm um, flipping around. Let me flip it up. Let me, I'm going to give a sniff. Seems to be unbruised. <laughs> it was. She did have like kind of a weird, but they said that maybe she was punching herself in the chest. Yeah, who knows what actually happened. Maybe okay. he did do that. Maybe she did it to herself. Who will never know. But the fact remains was that was the story that Catherine was spreading on the day of the murder. Okay. Because after Gert, Catherine went to the police and repeated the story. Then she went over to her sister Joy's place to return some video she'd borrowed. And the Knight family had damn near a video store's library of bootleg VHS tapes that they swap between members. Now, do we know what genre they like the best? Catherine liked horror. She did like horror. She was a huge horror movie buff. Interesting. Uh, And she had recently, before the murder, become obsessed with a forgettable 1999 Christopher Lambert vehicle called Resurrection. Okay. 
interesting. Have either of you guys seen this? No, no I haven't no, seen it. No, I, it does. I mean, it's one of those like you know five point three rated uh, on IMDb <laughs> movies that right. we all kind of scanned over in the video store. It's an HBO middle of the day movie that you'd see yeah. at that time period yeah. when you were at your mom's house. You'd watch it. I'd be like, oh, what's this? It was like, oh, it's like between Gothica and Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. So she probably watched movies like Scream and uh, other she, films. She, yeah. she had a huge collection. Yeah, huge collection yeah. of horror movies. So in Resur- but the reason why Resurrection was special was because in that movie, a serial killer stuns his victims with a slaughterhouse stun gun, dismembers them, and uses the body parts of his victims to reconstruct the body of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, creative! Yeah. Oh. I like it. Okay. Now, the prosecution would make one hell of a big deal about resurrection during Catherine's trial, but honestly, I don't think the movie actually gave her the idea. I think she became obsessed with it because someone had put her fantasies on film. You know what I think gave her the idea? Working in a fucking slaughterhouse. Could be. Could be. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't rearrange John Pricey's limbs to look like Jesus Christ. Okay. She rearranged his body, yes, but we'll get into just how exactly she did that. All right. So after returning a couple of videos to Joy, Catherine took her video camera and went to visit her daughter, Natasha. Once there, Catherine set up the video camera and took her grandkids on her knee. She then opened up her shirt and let the children play with her breasts, singing shrill nursery rhymes of her own devising about Nana's titty bops. Nana's titty bops, always round. Nana's titty bops, <laughs> playing with the tongue. You've got to see. Hmm. Look at my bruise. <laughs> Wow. Look at the boobs! <laughs> I don't know. That's. I don't think the kids should be playing with their boobs. There it doesn't I, seem. It'd be weird even if it wasn't rampant up I mean, to this, a murder. This isn't the 1950s, and I don't think it would be better then. But the kids <laughs> had Game Boys, and uh, you know, this is. I mean, my goodness. Well, we're a Puritan society in America. We don't. We have problems with the nudity in this country, and we're grown um, and no, we I are raised that. to believe that our we shouldn't be nude around our families. But th- this is a little bit different than I, that. I, I You're gonna. See Say yeah, I mean yes. I'm very happy that I don't have a memory of playing with my grandmother's breasts. Me too, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just bouncing around like. Well, I mean, yeah, the, I'm real happy. I'm real I'm, happy that never happened. Yeah, of course. But I'm saying in Australia, I don't know if it's different. I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think this honestly, is beyond the pale. I don't this think is a, this is normal. It's a snuff film, is what it is. <laughs> well, just the idea of like a nice afternoon with grandma. Is it the first quarter of it? Is playing with her tits? <laughs> oh my. Like, God. Goodness. seems to be a lot. I did have a guy uh, who I grew up with who was a, a friend of mine. But the thing is that his dad used to always come out of the shower while we're hanging out in a real like locker room kind of way where he'd always be like drying his dick and his balls. Uh, but it yeah. wasn't like molesty. No. Because he technically was covering them. Yeah. But he was drying them real vigorously. No, that's what, that's what <laughs> adult males do. They walk out and they let you know you're not yet a man. I don't yeah. understand the whole gym thing I of like when know. you go into the locker room and a guy's doing a deep lunge on the bench with his fucking nanners sweeping the floor. The YMCA, I'll never forget those locker rooms. You had to walk through the locker room to get to the pool. I didn't shower. 
Or if I did, I had my little speedo on. That's not. Nice. Speedo. You know, had to, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Kissel. I know. I, I was so much six worse. or seven, eight oh, years okay. old. Okay, okay. And I would. You'd have to zoom through. So I was like eye level, and it's all. It's the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Oh, I was like, what is happening? And I felt like I was fighting in a pit of serpents. <laughs> Dicks and balls dragged oh. by the gravity of time. And they were all so confident. That's, and also, you know, then they go to the bathroom and they're confident in the bathroom. Yeah, that's a that's a time. I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> you can just publicly scream in the bathroom. Let's get back to. Nana's titty oh, Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, eventually the kids left Nana's lap, and it was just Catherine by herself being filmed. Ugh. She looked directly into the camera and said that she loved all her children and hoped to see them all. It was really Ugh. out of character, she said. Yeah. said she showed up, and she was like, purposefully, I wish I could find this footage. Right. But she was like, purposely being like, kiss each other. Yeah. Kiss each other, now loving me. You love me. I love you. I love you. And they were like, Grandma never done shit like this before. Yeah, she, was not, she, she was not affectionate at all. No, obviously, because she doesn't know how to even do that. No, it was... It's all... She was setting it up. She was setting up to be like, look, I'm a loving grandmother. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, because that's totally normal. Yeah. And then she asked Natasha to watch her two young kids for the night. Hmm. Half joking, her daughter said, quote... I hope you're not going to kill Pricey and yourself. Catherine said, no, of course not. Of course not. He's like, no, 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 no. You just need to take care of the kids for the night. That's the number of no's mean yes. No, no, That's a yes. That's a yes. And so Catherine left her daughter's house at about 11 o'clock to go kill Pricey. Now, guys, we're about to be heading into Gold Star territory. I don't know. We, we talked about this beforehand. We don't know if it even is anymore because of the nature of of humanity. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> but just uh, just know it's going to get kind of fun. Yeah. So get your Gold Star shirts off and be ready to listen to this next little stretch. It's mm-hmm. a content warning. Content. <laughs> content. Content. <laughs> So Pricey was already in bed by the time Catherine showed up at 11.30 p.m. So Catherine sat and watched Star Trek on TV for a bit. Then began her preparations. Earlier that day, Catherine had swung by the thrift store and bought a little piece of black lingerie. Uh, 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 it's not like it's thrift store bought yeah, lingerie. Uh, I don't yeah. think you should buy <laughs> thrift store lingerie. That, that, that's no. a fresh buy. Think about this. We'll, so we'll even set the mood, Right. They're, they've been having fights. Yeah. Right. So the thing that Catherine Owen used to do to, to make up after a fight is that she'd get real sexy. Yeah. So they go to sleep, right? Pricey's off to sleep. She goes and she showers. She puts on the nightie. She comes out, hits the boombox. Constant <laughs> craving. It's always been. She starts sauntering back Uh-oh. and forth. Pricey's like, are you ready for a go? You want to give it a shoot in here? She's like, yeah. It's nothing I want better than you to pop my downstairs with your rifle there. Stop looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's ready to go. And okay. she pops on top of him, which is his favorite. And she gets that gush as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. Did that actually happen? Or yes. is this another Henry this is, fantasy? Yeah, I don't know if they, they played Katie Lang. I, oh, we don't know about the Katie Lang. That's yeah, the only thing up for we debate. Don't, we don't know about Katie Lang. But, yeah, she went in. She took a shower. Uh, woke him uh-huh. up. They fucked. 
Then he went to go take a piss. Uh-huh. Is it safe to say if it's not Katie Lang, it was Chumbawamba? <laughs> well, it's whatever is romantic at the time. Chumbawamba. Now, remember. In, the year 2000? Chumbawamba. 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 Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, so she so she humped him to the beat of tub thumping. <laughs> he goes to t- go to take a piss. She's got her knives above the bed as always. <sighs> well, Pricey was coming back from the bathroom. But besides just buying the lingerie... Catherine had also gotten her knives sharpened just days before. Mm. As Pricey was walking back to the bed from the bedroom, Catherine pulled out her favorite boning knife and stabbed Pricey in the chest. The coroner said that Catherine purposely stabbed Pricey like he was an animal facing slaughter, but she missed the heart because this was her first human. Mm. So Pricey didn't die. He tried to get past her, but still she kept stabbing. He was finally able to get out of the room, and he turned left, heading toward the front door. Drawing on some survival instinct, Pricey groped towards the hallway light switch on his way through, trying to see anything, and the stabs kept coming. He took another left and managed to make it to the front door, opening it for a brief moment. But Catherine, who was a full seven inches taller than Pricey and full of adrenaline, stabbed him again, grabbed him, and flung him back inside. He hit the wall and stood there as she came at him one more time, stabbing him over and over as hard as she could. When Pricey finally fell to the floor dead, Catherine Knight had stabbed him 37 times. And he hadn't raised his hands to defend himself once. My goodness. It's a way to go. And when when she... When he lied there, it's like, so there's five liters of blood in the human body, I learned from Bloodstain. And if you look at pictures of that crime scene, it looks like the elevator scene from The Shining. Yeah. He bled out completely in that hallway. Like, it's just mayhem. It's spattered blood. It's like she did Mm. no attempt to uh, lessen the impact of her crime or to hide any sort of evidence. Pure rage. Well, after the deed was done, Catherine took a shower, put on jean shorts and a blue shirt, and rifled through Pricey's wallet, grabbing his debit card. She then drove to the nearby town of Musselbrook and withdrew a thousand bucks. Strangely, though, that money, no one knows where it went. Well, it's because the whole family was like, audit and get it. No, it's not mine. I I got it. And Mm -hmm. it just disappeared into the night. Uh Uh-huh, sure it did. But even though we don't know what happened with the money... Catherine's return to Pricey's house, we definitely know what happened next. Uh-oh. Catherine was about to realize her dream, as per the opinion of Dr. Robert Delaforce. Dr. Delaforce, who examined Catherine's mental state after the murder, claimed that it is probable that Catherine thought about committing an act like this for a long time before she actually did it. He said the proof was what happened after the murder. The skill, time, and focus required to do what we're about to tell you about now can only come from someone with purpose, intent, and deep desire. Okay. Well, she fu- she fully believed that every man is a rapist, every man is an assaulter, every man is a murderer, and should be treated as such. She loved her job at the slaughterhouse, and she loved the skill it took and, and the way she took to how good she was she loved how good she was, she was a star at in that slaughterhouse it sounds like yes mm-hmm. and so th- yes you could see that this is the ultimate she's always been working up to this yeah mm. and this is where true gold star territory begins okay so before Catherine began 
She stripped down naked and set up her knives and whetstone in the living room. Then she grabbed Pricey's lifeless body and dragged it to her makeshift butcher shop. The first thing to do was get rid of the skin. She picked up a six-inch carving knife and cut in one smooth line across the shoulders and down to the corpse's pubic hair, then around the genitals and down the legs. She connected those cuts down the arms and across the top of his head. She then slowly peeled off the corpse's skin. The only part that didn't make it was a chunk of stubborn hair that was presumably hacked off and thrown aside when Catherine couldn't pull it loose. After removing the skin, Catherine hung it from a hook she had fashioned in the doorway between the living room and the kitchen. She had managed to get John Price's entire skin off in one piece, and Price's hollow face was still recognizable as it hung from the hook. It's fucking Hellraiser. Well, it's up there with that, that Dean-level is... skill and uh, in terms of being able to do it all, and then it's about presentation. Yeah. She mm-hmm. wanted you to see this. She yeah. put it up. Because what we'll learn, too, is that when they go in to investigate the crime, when the police open the door, it's the first thing you see. Ooh, yeah. Yuck. But she wasn't done yet. Next was the head. She returned to the skinless corpse and cut through the muscle and bone of the neck. And after the head was removed, Catherine picked it up and took it to the kitchen. And what they said is that she did such a good job beheading him that she uh, didn't even nick the bone. She mm. literally went slip because you, you do is you kind of do the thing like you were like if you ever have you ever watched a video on deboning a chicken. No. They're fun because you, you <laughs> cut the skin YouTube around videos. and you skit, 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 and then you get all the way down to the knuckle, right? And then and you snap, snap it with the knife in between the two, and then you can pull it out. Right. And then you can kind of roll it back into like a little lollipop that you, you can cook. It's a good thing for presentation. Do you have to make that sound while you're doing it, <laughs> yeah. or is that... Oh, I see. Okay. Get you, mommy. Get you, mommy. Strange Thanksgiving. Well, the reason why Catherine took the head to the kitchen was because she was cooking a meal. Uh-oh. Uh oh! Yeah, yeah. Uh oh! I don't know, buddy. That's what you're gonna give. You're gonna give me what do you want. Oh, she my. takes a severed All and she takes right. a severed. Gonna go right Yikes. to the doctor. We're going to the doctor after Uh-oh. this. Well, hey, you know what? So she dropped the head in a soup pot, added water and spices, and turned on the heat. She then went back to the body and sliced off a large piece of her favorite cut, the rump and baked it in the oven. Then it was time for the veggies. She cooked zucchini, potato, squash, cabbage, and topped it all off with a nice gravy. I'm not going to say nice. Can we then go as far as to say it's a nice gravy? It seemed to be a crude gravy. (laughs) Was it that brown sauce that Henry was talking about? And after Catherine got all that worked up, she served up the whole meal on two plates and left a placard in front of each. On the placards... She had written the names of Pricey's children. She had cooked the gravy special for the youngest. But there was one more indignation to come. She walked back over to the skinless, headless corpse, picked it up, and sat it in Pricey's favorite chair. She then crossed the legs and propped an arm on a bottle of lemon soda squash displaying him like he was just another dead thing that she had obtained complete mastery over. 
I will say, you say indignation, but it's kind of nice you put him in the, his favorite chair. <laughs> I guess. I it was don't another freakout move. Like, yeah, of course. I mean, it was a, it was a freakout move, but it was also about owning. Like yeah. she right. she owned this thing, and she displayed it like she would a fucking dead wombat. This right, whole thing right. reads as a very intense performance piece, but as you go through, it's there's certain details in the crime that are like very haunting to me, because especially because like we are just meat. Like, mm-hmm. walking around with mm-hmm. all these dreams and having careers and all those bullshit. But they were like, the meat from the human body is really dark and gamey. Yeah. And he said the worst thing was that when she was making the gravy, it was in the saucepan, and said, we're such fatty, we're really fatty meat. or Because or, that was the other thing, too, is that she... She tried to do when you make a gravy, it's like you deglaze a pan with all the fat in it, and you and you make it out. And it was on top of it when they found it, it had this congealed layer of fat that also at some point she was trying to skim the fat off it like you would with a cup. And they found that right next to that the entire presentation, which was also not cleaned up, all the vegetables were like hacked up and peels were left everywhere. But there was this cup. Filled with liquid human fat, hmm. like right next to the stove. It's interesting. It's like when you order a pizza, there's too much grease on it, you pat it down yeah. with paper towels. Yes. Yeah. And at another point, she had grabbed one, Ooh. she had cut off one of the pieces of meat and then opened up the back door and threw it out in the backyard and laughed. Because she, we, well, apparently. Well, I don't know why she did that. They, they, she did it technically, it was for the dog. But then she no, she killed the other dog. Yeah, she, she, so uh, she didn't no. kill his dog. No, no, okay. no, no, no. She just killed him. I see. And finally, Catherine brewed herself a pot of coffee, had a cigarette, took a handful of pills, and one last half-ass suicide attempt. She then drifted off to sleep, and to this day, claims to remember nothing oh. of the night. Oh yeah, she's full she of shit. Remembers yeah. it. She's full of shit. But uh, and then we're gonna find out too. It's like, well, remember too. Pricey's been telling people that are gonna that he's been telling his friends and his neighbors that she's gonna fucking kill him. Right. Yeah. And now they're waiting to see. So that so the next day. Yeah. Next day. Pretty soon after Catherine fell asleep, because this was an all night affair. Because remember, she it killed like it him. Would take a while. She yeah. killed him at about midnight. Uh, and so, a couple hours after she fell asleep, if even that. Pricey's neighbor, Andrew Anthony Keegan, looked out the window just as the sun was rising, and he saw that Pricey's van was still in the driveway. He thought it was weird, because usually Pricey was gone like 30 minutes before Andrew even woke up. Hmm. And he said, specifically, Pricey said to him, if you ever wake up and my van is there and I'm not at work, she's, that's when she's killed me. Yeah. Jeez. So Keegan walked over to the house and knocked on the door to make sure everything was okay. When there was no answer... Keegan looked down at the door handle and saw that it was covered in blood. Mm. The cops were called, and the first one on the scene took a peek through the mail slot to see if he could assess the situation before backup came. The only thing he could see was what he thought at the time was a bunched-up curtain hanging in a doorway. Mm. And in reality, it was the skin of John Price. Good Lord. Cops then pried open the back door with a crowbar, stumbling into possibly the most gruesome crime scene in Australian history. Think about this. You open this door, and that's what they said, is that they saw this thing because the brain works in a way that, like, if you see human skin hanging from a hook, it, your brain is going to kind of translate it in a way. You open it up, they saw a curtain. Yeah, we're trying to look at pa- look for patterns yeah. when there's something that we can't understand. Yeah, so you look at it, and they just saw a curtain hanging in the doorway and said, like, oh, well, let's go to the back of the house and see what's going on. They saw blood was everywhere. The investigator 
moved the curtain like he was walking through, Ooh. and he was like, it was wet for some reason, and all of a sudden I looked down at my hand, and all I thought I was bloody. I thought I had myself jamming the door. Came in, and it wasn't until they saw her asleep, they turned around, they're like, oh, there's Pricey's fucking face hanging from a Ooh. hook. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, they were all, Lord. they were right for a while. No, that is like, that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre style here. Some of them were never right again. Like one one of the ma- first guys on the scene, he never uh, returned to being a cop says he can't sleep. Uh, at night, ever like he, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't slept since well, like no. not not like a good night. He has nightmares. Well, when the cops came in, they searched through the house and they found Catherine. She was just on the bed, just snoring away, just sleeping. Yeah, because the pills hadn't taken like full effect yet because she hadn't been asleep very long. Mm. Uh, so they brought her out. She was still alive. She was just dazed. They took her to the hospital and they pumped her stomach. And then charged her with the murder of John Price. And that was the first time she'd ever been actually charged with a serious crime. She was, what, 49? 49. And the uh, trial was insane. It was a huge media thing. Well, the thing was that the trials that she pled not guilty at first and then pretty soon in switched it to guilty. Although no one's really sure why she switched it to guilty. She never really said. Because she wanted to, she wanted, at first she thought she could lie her way out of it. Mm -hmm. If you read the transcripts of her interviews with the police afterwards, they make no sense. First of all, they're rambling. You can kind of see a little bit more of who she was as a person. She was very stupid. She really couldn't put together a coherent thought <clears throat> but she was cunning and she knew the one thing you don't do is you don't give them fucking anything yeah you just say well, i don't know i don't know i don't know and so for a while i think she maybe thought hey i can get away with this because i've always gotten away with shit i don't know how you can but then it c- turns into yeah i did it yeah but the question then was is Catherine Catherine knight ever gonna see the light of day right. it was the real trial was the sentencing phase mm-hmm. but much to the joy of the people of aberdeen Catherine Knight will never, ever see the light of day again. All right. She was the first, and as far as I can see, only woman in Australia to be sentenced to life without parole. But I tell you what, I believe in you, Australian ladies. I think you can make it happen. Yeah. Well, I really try it. I mean, That's by contrast, we here in America, we've currently got 182 in California alone. Come yeah. on, Australia. Come that. on, guys. <laughs> Look at that. Come on. Now, Catherine Knight has now been in prison for 17 years. A recent book that just came out a couple months ago, I think, about Australia's women's prisons called Green is the New Black actually has some fascinating insights into Catherine's present-day life. How's she what doing? What Catherine's doing right now. She's what, doing great. What's she's, she up to? She is loving it. In prison, she's known as the Nana. Yeah, and think oh, about her titty bops. I guess so. <laughs> and apparently... Catherine Knight's the queen bee of the block. She finds nonviolent solutions to problems between inmates. In fact, Catherine has never once raised a hand in violence in prison. That's because she doesn't have to. Her reputation is so fierce that she was essentially handed the status of prison boss without having to lift a finger towards the other prisoners. Hmm. One guard said this about her. They simply do not fuck around with her, and that's a fact. Well... Yeah. Interesting. This could have gone uh, another way if you look at what happened with Dahmer. Yeah. Not treated so well. It really could have. Well, it's about, uh, again, 
she kind of just loves jail and was her best self in jail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she works in the headphone factory every day from like 8 p.m. 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. She's making headphones? They yeah, but head, yeah, they got a headphone factory. That. She beheaded someone. But <laughs> Interesting. So why is she? That's kind of weird. Yeah, but she earns top wage among her fellow prisoners, but that's also despite the fact that there are four armed guards surrounding her every second she's in the factory. You know, that makes her wet as a slip and slide being oh. with all these huge men with sticks. I I don't know, my goodness. So people are wearing earbuds right now in Australia that were made by Catherine Knight. Yeah, I bet they're the kind of cheap earbuds that like, go on airplanes. You know? So we've all worn them. We've all, <laughs> yeah, we wore them. We'll wear them when we go eventually. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And even though Catherine Knight's family defended her again and again, they have since abandoned her to her fate completely. She has reportedly had not a single visitor in years. However... She makes do by being the prison's event planner and always makes sure that everyone is included. Is there any way? Can we get OJ? Can OJ come and hang out? I want to talk about football. Yes. The, 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 the real football. Right. No, she still isn't allowed to be in a room with a knife. Mm, good. Uh, and she does have her own cell because the prison is afraid she'll kill whoever has to live with her. Sure. But Catherine has said from almost the moment she was arrested... That she has never been as happy as she was in prison, and presumably she still is. Well, actually a sad ending then. Yes, weirdly. But you could see her looking out her little prison window, and she's doing the, Somewhere at the... And then her knife is like somewhere in a dumpster or somewhere. Just like looking up. Beneath the same big sky. She did love those knives. Uh, she did love, she loved Stop her knives more than anything. All right. thinking of me. And they are all very into there dancing together in a ballroom in her mind. Yeah. She loved her knives. Knives yeah. are tough to dance with, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, that's Catherine Knight. <laughs> We're going, <laughs> literally, two. I actually we have got, a really good doctor do in, the town, really? in the financial yeah. district. Yeah. We can go check it out. All right. Well, there it is. That's it. Spooky, that's, scary stuff. Spooky, scary stuff. <laughs> there it is. It, is. <laughs> it really is. My God. I'm disgusted. I, uh... One day I'll get good at the Australian accent. Yeah, I, I, you know I what? Today know. you're better than you were last week. Yeah, you're Maybe. a regular Hugh Jackman yeah. today. Yeah, real, yeah, regular huge old Jackman. Yeah, regular yeah. Paul. Uh, There's only a huge Jackman. Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. No, is Paul not Bunyan's American. <laughs> he was horse. And the newest Charles Manson's in the new Quentin Tarantino movie. He's also fucking Australian. They're taking all. He's our Australian stuff. too, yes, huh? Yes, he is. No uh, but this is a ex- example again. We took you down with the Hogan. idea of. Paul Hogan. <laughs> That's yes. I, I do wish I could be a better actor to serve the Australian people for hashtag Australian content, but I will eventually do it. And because it'll eventually, it'll have to be I'm playing some kind of swamp man mm-hmm. on yeah. a CW show. And I'm fine with that. That's a big market. We got to break into oh, it, I can't Henry. Wait, I need Come to get on. there. But her story is, again, I mean, like, it's the common story of the abuser. Yeah. It's the, uh, and, and escalated to something horrific. And it can happen both ways. Yeah. She was also, again, remember, strangely the first woman serial killer to do it for sexual reasons. Well, not really serial killer, I guess. Yeah, not, yeah, not no. Ser- no. She, she may hard. have been. If she was ever busted, I mean, who knows how many people she could have killed, I guess, <laughs> once you do this once. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think she, I don't think she killed. I think she saved it. I t- it's just more about, we're just capable of so many horrible things sometimes. Yeah, we really are. All right. Well, you're not capable of horrible things. Thanks for giving to our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Very good. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. What a, what a fun two-parter that was. Intriguing, interesting, and wonderful. Yes, it we- was.
We have our live show coming up yes. in Seattle at Bumbershoot. Bumbershoot. Um, if you can't make it to see that, we'll be around getting drunk. Yes. Um, because we have drinking problems. Mm. And we just do it to pass time and also to feel good. It should be fun. I'm excited for Seattle. It's always, we haven't been back. This is their first time in, what, two years or something, I Oh, think. about a year. Yeah, almost two years, yeah. a year and a half. I think we went January 2017. Maybe awesome. January, yeah, January 2017. That was the last time we were in Seattle. So we're looking forward to coming yes. back. And we're also coming back uh, to Washington, D.C. Uh, we're going to be doing a show uh, down there for the True Crime Festival. True Crime Festival. We'll, we'll put all of that information back up on social media but know that we'll be that's november 5th and we're having a string of dates which that we will soon mm-hmm. be announcing mm-hmm. uh, after i get married we will then have more time to be on the road mm-hmm. oh, and that right. w- that true crime festival is uh death becomes us yeah it's put on by uh brightest young things and it's gonna be fucking great but yeah we're gonna be doing a show uh as a part of that so you can just google last podcast on the left washington dc uh, i think it's gonna be on november 4th is that fifth, fifth. Is that november based- 5th on a on a on that Sunday, based off the movie Death Becomes Her. Huh? I don't know. It's, it's a great movie. Like I don't is know. Is it? <laughs> you like it? I don't. I love Death Becomes it's Her. Great it's a great movie. movie. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis is for me favorite. Uh, my, one of my favorite performances of his. Hmm. Yep. Wonderful that. performance. Wonderful um, performance. But again, thank you to Jen Tisdale for helping put all that together. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jen. Thank um, you, Jen. That's uh, yeah, and if you get a chance, if you uh, gave to our Patreon, thanks so much. We have a, a really interesting interview this week. Henry and I did with this guy who wrote uh, Mark Jacobson. He wrote a book on William, aka Bill Cooper. Yeah, and I uh, really want to read this book. You got to read this book. Really yeah, cool. It sounds I'm great. very very excited. It's about his like worms and all. It's probably the book we would have used as a source if we had it when we were doing our Bill Cooper episodes, which I now kind of want to do an addendum to because yeah. I want to find out more about him. I actually yes. very and yeah. I was very proud to hear that uh, that we came pretty close to nailing it. Yeah. We did pretty good, he yeah. said. He yeah. said we did, we, said pretty said good. we did pretty good. Yep, I also have a little interview with him at the end of this week's Abling It's Top At, so check that show out and check out all the shows here on uh, the Last Podcast Network. Yes, and uh, follow us on all of that horseshit at mm-hmm. LP on the left. There it is. All right, everyone, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again, Magustalations. Hail me and give me strength in this in these hot days, and I can feel the sweat rolling down my side rolls. But I'm getting you're tighter not, a little bit in the front. I nice. don't know, but you're feel not it. wearing enough. Feel it, feel it. I'm so gonna you can feel see it. it. All right, we'll bring it closer. Mm. Huh. Did it look tighter? Eh. It did not look. Tighter. Yeah, I don't really have comparison. No, it's my finger you know, almost goes all the way close to my second knuckle. Yeah, that's yeah. not tighter. Yeah, it's tighter. Yeah, yeah. How bad was it before? Pretty loose. <laughs> it's like the put. It, it's Someone like the pudding from, from a uh, from what was it? Golden Child. Yeah, mm. with the blood pudding. Mm. That always looked tasty. It's great it does. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, you someone found uh, footage of me from when I did the Silent Library thing when I was very big. Mm-hmm. So I have come a long way. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Is yeah. that what you want? Yes. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I am inspirational.